My name's John and this is Simon hey. We've worked as content creators for some time And wanted to share delicious knowledge from the cookie jar So if you got some time, you're welcome to the nav bar Welcome to the nav bar The podcast where we help you navigate the web and improve your content creation My name is John Myers, I'm a developer advocate from Superbase And I'm Simon Vrashliotis I'm a designer, developer and content creator from Sydney, Australia in a previous episode, we talked about the gear that you need to get started creating content. So we thought it would be pretty fun to go through what we actually have in our ridiculous setups. Yeah, it is crazy how many iterations my gear has gone through. Um, so we thought we would save you some trouble and definitely a whole lot of money because this, this stuff can get expensive. Uh, so the first thing we wanted to talk about is uh, camera. And so this is probably the thing that uh, that people notice first if they see a beautiful image uh, and they see a nice background and all of that stuff. So what do we actually have to, uh, to, to make that happen? Um, I personally have the Sony A6100, I think, um, which is a fancy mirrorless camera. And so um, I don't actually know what mirrorless means. I just know that it's cooler. It's <laughs> even more modern than a DSLR. Um, but this is, yeah, a, a I guess, high-end uh, photography camera that can um, output 4K, very nice, high-quality video. Um, one of the problems that I ran into this was uh, that after, because it's designed to be an actual camera and I'm just using it as a webcam, um, after a certain amount of time, it would just turn off, um, or especially if the battery was low, uh, it would try and charge the battery and also output 4k video and would just, would just randomly turn off in the middle of a take. Uh, so I also bought a dummy battery, um, which is yeah something I would highly recommend if you, if you do have a camera that just sits there all the time, don't constantly charge and then discharge the battery, uh, cause then it will never work for, for portable photography anyway. Um, so yeah, definitely get a dummy battery to, to, to just keep it always on. Uh, in terms of my lens, you'll see behind me if you're watching the video, if you're listening to the audio stream, go and check out my YouTube channel so you can watch one of my videos. Uh, but behind me, I have this really nice kind of purple uh, floodlight with lots of interesting, um, lots of interesting shadows. Um, and part of what makes it look really cool is that it's slightly blurred. Um, and so this is... Uh, Again, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna nail the the professional proper names for this, but this is to do with the aperture. Yes, is that right, Simon? That's correct. <laughs> I know the numbers. I just forget what they what they actually refer to. Um, so I have a 1.4 uh, focal length aperture, uh, which means that basically I am in focus up front, and then anything in the background it attempts to to blur um, because it will only keep um, a very small amount of, uh, of, of the depth in focus. Um, I started off with a 30 millimeter, um, Sigma lens with a 1.4 aperture. Uh, and I found that that was just like too, it was too zoomed in on me. I had to kind of stand like, uh, halfway back, uh, like halfway down the room just to be able to, to be in focus. And so I bought a, I upgraded to a 16 millimeter, um, which is just uh, allows you to be a little bit closer to the camera because um, it's less zoomed in. Um, but yeah, so at the moment I have a Sony A6100 camera with a Sigma 16 millimeter 1.4 aperture lens. Um, and then that is running through um, a Camlink 4K capture card, 
um, which allows me to take a live HDMI signal uh, and then feed it into my laptop so I can use it for things like podcasts and video tutorials and things like that. What sort of camera do you have, Simon? It's kind of funny because I have the exact same camera and the exact same lens. So I also have a Sony A6100. Uh, I kind of came late to the camera game in my content creation. I used to use my webcam or just not put myself on video for a long time. <clears throat> and uh, I've done a lot of research. I was like, one day I'm going to have one of these fancy, like real cameras with depth of field. And I, I was sold on the Sony A600 or A61 or one of these models. And then I knew from my research that there's almost a bigger increase in quality. Like you can go from webcam to DSLR and then you can have even better improvements from DSLR to having, uh, actually it's not a DSLR, but having a proper camera to if you add a proper lens, you have the gains are even greater. So I was like, I think I'm going to wait en enough time that I can get a camera and uh, a, a lens. And I, from my research, this Sigma 16 millimeter lens was like, everyone was completely uh, happy with it and just recommending it. And I got it and I tried the camera with the kit lens, which is still pretty good. But then I put the, the Sigma and I was like, holy, it's, <laughs> it is the, the, even the colors and the clarity and the depth of field. And exactly what you said, because you can be quite close to it. The closer you get to it, the, the blurrier the background gets because you have more depth behind you. I also work in a fairly small room, so I was uh, really hoping to be able to have some sort of blurry background, even in a small dimension room, which works pretty well. And in my research, I also got a dummy battery from the get-go because I heard stories about people, uh, camera turning off after 30 minutes or something like this. So I have essentially same camera, same lens. I do not have the cam link. I use a different capture card, which was a bit cheaper, but I kind of regret in another episode, we kind of talked about uh, buy once, cry once. And when you try to buy something a bit cheaper, sometimes turns against you. So uh, the, the one I have kind of works, but on some, uh, on some applications like Google Hangouts or uh, different like uh, con uh, like video conference uh, apps uh, it's completely squashed or distorted and also the you can't see it here because i've applied some uh, some settings like i removed the saturation a bit because it's completely like i look completely red and uh, all the colors are blown up uh, with too much saturation so i think it's because of the capture cut but uh yeah sony really good camera sigma lens i've hooked up a lot of people to that lens uh I used to work at Tailwind and a lot of people from the Laravel community watch Tailwind videos. And I, I know quite a few people who got this lens um, after seeing the results in my videos and they all absolutely love it. So it's it's pricey, but it's such an improvement that it, and it's not just for Sony. It's, they have Sigma lens that works with different cameras as well. Yeah, I actually had no idea that you had the exact same camera and the exact same lens as me. Uh, I'm same. glad we're doing this episode because <laughs> I, I feel like, yeah, we get to actually talk about all of this stuff and other people can can get value from it. Um, yeah, I went through a similar thing where I bought the, um, like I bought the camera on its own and then uh, 
I, I used the kit lens and I was expecting to still have this beautiful depth. And obviously the kit lens is designed for kind of multi-purpose stuff. Yeah. Um, I guess it's trying to be the most multi-purpose lens that it can be so that people can just buy the camera and, and get started. Um, and yeah, I was really sad that I didn't have this beautiful, like, um, is it bokeh, the, the, um, the blurring background, uh, and so I, I went and made exactly the same mistake that you were just saying. And I went and bought uh, the 30 millimeter lens. And the reason that I got the 30 millimeter instead of the 16 millimeter uh, off the bat was it was actually cheaper. Yeah. And I was like, I want the lens, but maybe like it might be a little bit more zoomed in, but like I'd rather just stand in the middle of the room than pay the extra amount of money. And then eventually I just ended up having to pay the extra amount of money anyway, because I do like uh, video tutorials basically full time. And so uh, it was too much of a nuisance having to like reset all of my stuff each time. Um, and so I ended up, like you were saying, it's better to just go with the thing that actually solves the problem uh, rather than going for the, the cheaper option that then you need to kind of eventually make your way to buying the expensive one anyway. You cried twice. I did. I cried twice. <laughs> <laughs> I could have only cried once, but I cried twice. Uh, the next thing we wanted to go into is uh, audio. So we obviously have um, very uh, fancy audio setups. In a, a previous episode, we talked about um, the the kind of importance of improving your audio. And so I think we've both spent a lot of time tweaking uh, little bits of our audio setup and, and trying to improve our environment as much as possible so we get the best quality uh, result. Uh, and I, so when I started um, recording, I uh, when, I, when I started recording video tutorials, um, I already had a collection of microphones because I used to kind of work in the audio engineering space. Um, and so I spent a lot of time recording bands and, uh, and through that just collected a lot of microphones um, that were kind of designed to record drum kits or designed to record uh, guitar amps and things like that. Uh, and so I thought that uh, I would just be able to reuse one of those microphones. Um, and so I did that initially. I was using uh, an AKG C414, which is a... It's actually, yeah, it's a really beautiful mic. I really like it. Um, and it's uh, it's designed for, you can use it for vocals, but you can also use it for drum overheads. And so it's quite good at picking up uh, a lot of um, a lot of room noise. Uh, I think it's a condenser mic from our, our last uh, episode. Uh, we, were, we were talking about the difference between dynamic and, and condenser mic. So yes, I believe it's a condenser mic where you can actually change the polar patterns on it. Um, and so uh, I had it set up as my as my mic, but then um, it picks up a lot of a lot of noise and also definitely requires a lot of processing like EQ and compression. So be because this requires so much additional processing, um, I bought a hardware compressor slash gate slash expander-y thing, uh, which is the the DBX, uh, I think it's the, is it the 280S? 286S, is that the one? I think. 286S, that's the one, yes. Um, and so this this is, yeah, an awesome, awesome piece of gear. It's like a little rack thing um, and has lots and lots of knobs on the front to, to set to... Uh, to sound really good and then accidentally nudge one of them or let your your toddler into the room who loves playing <laughs> with them and changing them all and then you're 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 screwed. Um, but yeah, it sounds amazing and the combination of that microphone and um, and that and the DBX two eighty six S sounded really really good. But it was just like it was a lot of gear to have on the desk and it was a lot of um, 
points where something could go wrong. Uh, and so I needed to do a, um, I needed to record a, um, a video at another house. And I decided that it was probably too much to take all of that stuff with me. So I bought a Shure MV7, uh, which is this microphone right here that I'm currently using, uh, which is a super convenient USB mic. Um, so it's modeled off the SM7B, which I think Simon is fortunate, fortunate enough to own the original and not use as his main mic, which we'll probably go into soon. Um, <laughs> but this is a, a recreation of that mic um, that is uh, entirely works over, over USB and does all of the um, the additional signal processing, like compressors and EQs and all of that stuff, it does in software. Uh, so if you get the feed of that microphone directly to uh, our podcasting platform here, or if you're recording a video with ScreenFlow or something like that, um, you already have those effects applied to the microphone, which is super convenient. And so I've just been using this since then um, because it just takes one USB cable. I decided the test was if I if this sounded as good or better than that complicated setup that I had, um, then I would just stick with it. And as soon as I plugged it in, I was in like a noisier room, a noisier environment. Um, and it just coped so well that I thought, you know what? I don't want to have the microphone and also a pop filter in front of it uh, and also run an XLR to that to another device and then run that to a sound card and then run that to my computer. Uh, I think I just want to run one USB cable uh, and just launch a piece of software on my computer. So... Yeah, highly recommend this mic. Uh, I was super surprised. I thought I was buying it as a backup mic, but it turned out to be uh, my main my main workhorse, which is, uh, yeah, very cool. In terms of other gear, I have um, KRK Rocket 8 speakers. So these are like studio monitors. Um, I still do a bit of audio production and, um, and definitely play with synthesizers and things like that. Um, and so having very high quality, accurate audio is, uh, is usually pretty important. Um, so yeah, they're awesome speakers, um, that I've used for like decades now. They've, they've lasted me. I think I bought them like when I was in high school at the end of high school, um, and I've had them all the way since then. So they've, they've lasted a very long time. Um, and then to record anything that's not this short MV7, uh, I have a Yamaha UR44, Actually, it's a Steinberg, which I think is maybe owned by Yamaha. But yeah, Steinberg UR44, uh, which is an audio interface that just allows me to plug in uh, either synthesizers or other XLR microphones um, and record them into my computer. After that, I have lots of synths and music production gear, which we're not going to go into. Maybe that can be its own separate episode where I just uh, talk about all of the, the fun toys that I have. Um, but yeah, I think that's it for me with audio. Simon, what do you have? Nice. That's a nice setup. And I've heard really good things about the MV7, uh, especially because it's USB. So plug and play, it means you, you remove the need for an audio interface and a lot of, uh, like you said, points of failure, like you can have different things going wrong. So I'm going to say the mic I have now and how I got to this mic, cause it's been quite a journey. And if, uh, there is one addiction I have in the tech world, it's microphones. <laughs> but I'm currently using uh, a microphone from Earthworks, which is called the Icon Pro. So it's a condenser mic. Uh, it's an XLR mic, which means it doesn't plug straight in the computer. It needs an audio interface. 
And this is where um, the rabbit hole goes, because most audio interfaces are a small box, and you put your microphone in, and then you have the gain volume, and then this box turns the signal into a USB cable that goes into your computer. So it kind of like takes the XLR cable and brings the sounds to uh, digital and into the computer. Um, I pondered for a bit to get the same DBX286, uh, like you were saying, because I, I was like, if I do live stuff, I would like to be able to put a, a noise gate. So when the dogs, like I just limit the background noise and compression and limiter and all these things. <clears throat> and then I somehow got talked into uh, if you're on camera, if you're watching the stream and I've changed the view, you might see this big box with lots of fancy lights here. I have this over-engineered stuff, which is called the Roadcaster Pro, which is essentially, outside of just being an audio interface, it's a whole podcasting station. So there's four different channels. You can have four XLR mics and you can set the levels and the, like all the presets like compression and uh, noise gates and uh, bass boosts, uh, uh, DSR, all these cool things that you want to do in real time. Each of the channels can have its presets so you can have multiple guests. If one day uh, we go back to doing in-person stuff, I could take that box and take all the mics I have and do a really high quality podcast that I record straight into that box as well. Uh, but I use it mostly. I use it mostly as my audio interface, which is completely overkill. But it it gives me nice stuff like like I said, the, I have compression and all these things in real time going into the the computer, and I have no, uh, sound pads and I can mix in the sound of my computer. So if you, it's surprisingly complex sometimes if you want you know, Zoom call and you want the you play a video from your computer and you want the audience to hear that video, you need something like loopback or some sort of application that pipes the sound of your computer back into the inputs uh, and mixes it with the mic and this kind of makes the mix. So it's kind of like a mixer and a, a processing, a sound processing thing and an audio interface all in one. And what, what talked me into getting this is I was like, if you have at some point, I don't know why, but if you let the DBX thing is kind of like one input, so it's for one microphone. And this thing kind of lets you do four times the same with four different mics. And I thought maybe one day I'll have like a, another mic, shotgun mic, if I want to do a video off camera and I can have settings that I don't touch. And I kind of do this, but I ended up doing all my videos with this mic. So it's <laughs> arguably overkill, but it's a really nice piece of equipment. It does a job really well. It's very cool. And when we move into our open bar section, what does that allow us to do? Uh, I have these sound pads and we have sound, uh, sounds designed for every section. And I'll play it here now to give you a teaser. But if I hit the bottom right sound pad, <laughs> we've got the teaser <laughs> and I've got things like elevator music. Oh, yeah. Maybe when we have tech issues, we can just... Yeah. Yeah, bring up the elevator music. That's and I can that's very turn handy. it up, turn it down. Uh, oh, someone uh, said, can you do the same with Slack? Slack is elevator music, and I haven't used Slack huddles. And he said, just listen to it. So now I have it. That one. <laughs> if you've been in the Slack huddle, that's the the waiting music. Anyway, right. uh, overkill, uh, but it's really useful. And if you do live stuff, it lets you have a slightly better audio quality because you've done all the treatment you would do in post. And you can go live with that. And I'm going to teach workshops live. So I think it, it's pretty cool. Before that, um, I started with the USB mic, Blue Yeti. And 
go listen to the other p episode we we did about uh, how it picks up all the ambient room that that wasn't working for me because it picked up all the echo and i don't want to go through the whole microphone journey because i have a lot of microphones but one that i absolutely love is a little shotgun video mic uh, by Rode. Rode is an Australian company. We're in Australia here. Uh, and it's called the Rode Video Mic NTG. And it's a USB mic, but it's it's so smart. Like if you plug it in your computer, it recognizes it as a like a plug and play microphone. But if you plug it with the same cable in your phone, it's gonna recognize it as a as a um, it's gonna recognize it as a microphone as well. And if you are currently plugged in in USB and you use something in the jack, little uh, mini jack output, it's like, oh, I know what you're doing. You're trying to listen to yourself. So it works as a like self-monitoring. But if it's not plugged in USB, that mini jack becomes the output or the input for the mic. So you can, it works in so many different situations and it's got a battery. So it works, uh, you can take it outside and record stuff. And it's fantastic. So. I tried to get this to, to get out of the frame of the camera, which kind of works. But again, with the Echo, I ended up having it on, on camera. And it does have a feature that's really cool, which is a 6 or 10 dB pad. So it, it kind of reduces the, the gain for situations where you want to be really close to it and cut the outside noise. And it just works so well. And it's tiny, it's USB. And whenever I travel, that's what I use. That's very cool. Yeah, I uh, also bought... I tried to do a similar thing. I bought a Rode mic. I ended up getting the NT3, um, but I was trying to accomplish exactly the same thing. When I started, I thought that I didn't want my microphone to be in shot. So I wanted to have a camera that was, or sorry, a microphone that was attached to my camera and far away from me. Um, so I could just, you know, naturally gesticulate and not hit any microphones um, and not take up any of the, the kind of visual real estate uh, with having a microphone. Um, but I quickly realized that it just opens up a whole suite of other uh, problems to try and tackle and that I, I actually quite liked having uh, my microphone a little bit in uh, in frame of the camera. Uh, yeah, I think it, I think it looks kind of cool. And so uh, if it looks cool and it also improves the audio quality, it's uh, yeah, it's a no brainer. Yeah, I think you can get you can get decent sound quality with the shotgun mic if you have room treatment. But there's something about this when you're really close to the, the microphone, it just captures a lot more depth of your voice and maybe for spoken words it has that more broadcasty uh, tone of voice which kind of fits well with YouTube videos depending on the content you do. Um, yeah, and uh, outside of microphones, uh, I don't really have anything special. I, I bought these, I don't. I think it's AKG, it's like the, the cheapest uh, studio monitors that I could find. They were like $80, $70, so it's not super expensive, but the idea is like it's a complete flat uh, response, so it's not trying to do what the, the commercial headphones that want to give you bass boost and like some, like, good for music listening. This is like more for like, what is the real thing sounding like so I can EQ and try to try to to edit it properly and it's also open ears which means that i can hear the outside noise so i'm not i can hear my voice properly as i talk you just gotta be careful that it doesn't go back into the microphone but it's my volume is low enough that it's not a problem so it's nice they're, they're comfortable and they help me uh, figure out what a neutral flatline sound sounds like so i'm not boosting the bass because my headphones have low bass and i try to compensate. 
Yeah, you don't want to use Beats by Dr. Dre to then go and mix something because, yeah, like the opposite of what you were just saying, it has a very overcompensated... So you're going to turn it down, yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah, naturally you're going to be like, oh, that's too loud, I'll turn that down, I'll turn that frequency down, and then, um, yeah, you realise if you listen to it in anything, any other pair of headphones that it sounds wrong. So, uh, yes, if you are doing any kind of audio treatment, oh, sorry, audio uh, signal processing stuff, adding EQs or compressors or doing any kind of mixing, um, having some flat um, headphones or studio monitors is what you want to go with. And that's, yeah, similar to these Rocket KRK speakers. Um, yeah, that's exactly what they're trying to accomplish as well. So the next thing we wanted to talk about is lights. Um, and so, yeah, this is another, um, it was something that I under... Um, underestimated how much of a difference lighting would make before I kind of became a, a full-time content creator. Um, I, I, as we spoke about in our, in, in a previous episode, uh, I jumped to wanting to upgrade my camera and get a nice lens and, and get all these expensive things. And then I, I set it all up and I turned it on and I'm like, that doesn't look that nice. Um, and realized that the thing that I hadn't tweaked enough yet <laughs> was my lighting setup. Yep. Um, so I started off with a ring light. And so this is um, a ring that sits around your camera um, and gives you really, really uniform light uh, over your face. Um, and it's a really good way to get started um, because, yeah, you only have to worry about one thing and usually you can connect it to the same stand as your camera. Um, so, yeah, usually very convenient and cheap way to get nice lighting. Um, but yeah, over time I decided I wanted, uh, slightly more depth to, um, to my lighting. And so I went with a, uh, what we referred to as a two light setup, um, in the previous, uh, episode, uh, where you have two lights at 45 degree angles. You have one key light, um, which, um, sort of gives the majority of the lighting for your face, but then that casts a shadow over the other side. Um, so you use a fill light, which is usually... Uh, a little bit lower light and further away and more diffused and that um, kind of fills in the shadows on the other side. So it gives your face a little bit of um, shadow and a little bit of depth, um, but without, uh, yeah, without, without just being one uniform uh, kind of light like the ring light. So I started off with the ring light. I don't remember what brand it was. It was just the cheapest Amazon thing. Again, I cried twice <laughs> on this one. I cried once when I was like, I just need a light. And this light, this ring light is only like $30 or something. And the uh, Elgato key light is much more expensive. Uh, and so went with the ring light and then realized the problem that this caused or that, um, that I could improve by just going with the original thing I was going to buy. So I did end up buying the Elgato key light, which I have just there, um, which is very cool. It does like color temperature um, or what's the real name for it? Simon was talking about this before the stream and I had no idea what he was talking about. Tungsten, I think. I think that's the amount of tungsten is the amount of yellowness into the the more warm temperature. You add some tungsten. And this yeah. Kelvin as well. Oh, who knows? Right. So yeah, this is like a smart 
uh, face light that just has like two sliders. One is for brightness and then one is for color temperature. Um, and then it integrates into all of the other Elgato stuff really nicely. Um, I found basically everything that I have bought from Elgato, which turns out is quite a lot of stuff. Maybe we'll do a, a summary at the end, but um, yeah, see, looking around, I'm seeing the Elgato logo on a few things. I've got a camera stand, the key light, the stream deck, and also my um, 4K cam link. Um, so this isn't a sponsored video by Elgato, but everything that I've uh, purchased from them has actually been super high quality and, and um, yeah, has required no further tweaking, which has been very, uh, very nice. So I've got that one there. And then um, my fill light is a um, just a, a cheap umbrella light um, that you can use for like, um, you might see in like photography studios, they have those big flashes that... Um, that have diffused umbrellas to kind of uh, create nice diffused fill light. Um, that sounds expensive, but I got just a really, really cheap imitation version of that where you just like put a regular light globe in it um, and it has a nice diffusal sheet over it. Um, and that that provides me with my fill light off to the side. What about you, Simon? I cried more than twice with lights. I <laughs> I went through so many tears. the whole journeys. My first attempt, <clears throat> so I, I've actually used, uh, we talked about that in an, an episode, I've used the nat natural lights uh, to get started and it was actually way better than the next few iterations of lights that I bought. Uh, the sunlight is really good. The only problem is it's inconsistent. Uh, if it's cloudy or sunny, it's completely different. You kind of want it to be cloudy. And also... In winter, uh, at 3.30, 4 o'clock, it starts to get really dark. At, at 5 o'clock, it's pitch black. So if you rely on that you uh, and you have a video that you need to do and you want it to continue working or you've got odd working hours, uh, it only works during the day. So that was a bit limiting. And so my very first light that I bought, I literally went to Bunnings, which uh, is the, the equivalent of like uh, Costco or like these big hardware hardware shops uh, where you can find anything, uh, do-it-yourself, gardening, uh, tooling, paint, anything. And they have a light section. So most of lights are for like bathroom lights or uh, a, lot of, a lot of builders trade these lights, the thing with the magnet you put on the metal bar and it just shoots really bright light. And I was like, surely this is perfect. It's like USB charging and it's a LED panel and it's super bright. And so I got this and the, the first thing, it was very... Um, very harsh, like super aggressive light. So I, my face was shining and then the shadows were very, very straight. And the other thing that I mentioned in the other video is it was a flickering LED, uh, which means on video it, it flickers like almost if you had the, the switch and you went on off, on off, on off, on off, on off really quickly, like stroboscopic lights. So it turns out that it didn't really work out as I wanted. And um, then I, like everyone, I did my research and was like, oh, Elgato seems to be like the thing for the lights, uh, but it's so expensive. And I kid you not, I spent for a good three or four weeks, almost every evening I was trying to watch videos, like uh, alternatives to Elgato key light, because everyone's like, it's, it shouldn't be that expensive. It's a LED panel. You can get this one and put a, a piece of uh, cooking, baking paper. Like there's different ways to achieve this. And I looked at all these options and I bought a, a light panel by a company called Raleno, Raleno, which is um, a few content creators said it's like the closest thing to the Elgato key light. And I tried it and it was nice, but uh, you had to charge it and you couldn't use it while it charged. So you had to charge it 
and then turn it on and do your recordings. And if it's turned off, it took almost eight hours to recharge completely. Yeah, so you would uh, do a recording and then it goes flat and you literally had to stop recording for that day and kind of say, well, let's try tomorrow. And they weren't cheap. Like uh, El Gato Keylight is like 200 bucks or something. And these were like 129. That was still in the same like 60% of the price. And I thought, oh, I'm going to make some savings. And the frustration of uh, how they work. And then, of course, I ended up buying an Elgato Keylight. So I bought that one and then the one that I thought I couldn't afford. Um, and right now I have two of them. So I've, uh, I do the two Keylight Feelight thing. I, I mess around with them a lot. I keep changing my setup and the angle. So right now it's not really set up as it should. But uh, typically you want 45. If I... Like the angles where I'm looking at the camera now, it should be a little bit further to the side, but I, I have so many opportunities to tweak with light and make really good lighting. Um, and like you said, clamp it on the wall, set it, forget it. It works so well. If I want to adjust the temperature or the intensity, I have a little slider on my phone or on the computer. And uh, I wish, I honestly wish I waited uh, to have the money to buy that from the start. There's probably other good products out there, but like, I tried so many Amazon panels and gradually went from 20 bucks, 50, oh, it's still a good 80, 120. And then, oh, you know what? The, the 200 thing is actually worth the money compared to everything else I try. Yeah, totally. It's crazy how bright they are as well. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I have mine basically as low as it can possibly go. And I, I still feel like it's maybe slightly too bright. This is 12%, 12, and this one is uh, 6%. So it's like nothing. If I turn them on, I'm completely like uh, my chair starts rolling backwards. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you'd start yeah like getting sunburnt or something. <laughs> like it's it's <laughs> it goes very 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 bright. Yeah. Um. And yeah, actually, one thing that I forgot to mention was my background lights. So I have um. This is a, a um a good example of where you can get some really nice lighting for quite cheap. Like these were just the. Uh, two super cheap, like smart LED floodlights. I think they're maybe like $20, 20, 20 or $30 each. Um, and yeah, you just plug them into the wall. You open up an app and you can choose the color and the brightness and all of that stuff. Um, I was surprised by how, how awesome they have been. Um, just kind of set them up and, and forget about it. Just yep. uh, like, I don't even have to set the color anymore. It remembers all of that. So I just turn them on, start recording, um, which is, yeah. Nice. Very cool. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm aware we talk about all these expensive stuff um, and I, we haven't mentioned it yet, but like both, many of our gear has been funded by the companies we work for. So it's we understand not everyone can afford these. With lights, the one thing, if I were to spend money is on the key light because it's the principal light that's going to be the closest to your face and you want it to be as not not as bright, but as a soft casting light. As you can see, I think John was explaining this shadow thing. My hand is between the light and me, and you, you can see the shadow on my face, but it's not like a super defined hard line. It's very soft. So if you can have a soft light as the key light, you can get away with almost any light for like something in the background, and even the fill light can doesn't have to be as critical, but the, the key light is the one you really want to make sure you consider doing a good investment. Yeah, 
Totally. And yes, it's a good shout out that, yeah, we didn't, we didn't pay for all of this stuff ourselves. And the reason like we need such a ridiculous setup is that Simon and I both work as full-time content creators. Like we're not just creating a video every now and again on the side. Like this, this is our full-time job. So this is like the tools that we actually, uh, that we actually need to buy for our uh, to, to do our job well. Um, but if you check out our previous episode, um, the whole point of that was to kind of talk about what, what are the actual things that you need to buy and in what sequence um, to be able to incrementally improve your setup so that you don't need to go and spend as much money uh, as as we've spent. And like that's been over a long period of time as well. Like, I mean, I've been tweaking my setup for maybe a year and a half, almost two years um, and, and just little bits at a time, like, um, yeah, buying a light to replace another light or buying a light and then having two lights, um, you know, all of those things have happened incrementally. I definitely, <laughs> definitely couldn't have afforded to just like buy the, the current setup that I have, uh, from day one. Yeah. Same, same here, uh, started very humbly and over the years, incrementally added stuff and you get to a point where you've incremented incrementally enough time that you're like wow I've, I've this setup is a bit silly now like it's really really solid but yeah it's definitely worth noting that you don't need all of that and you definitely don't want even if you have the money i wouldn't get all of it in one go because the you need to learn each piece of equipment and how it impacts the others and if you get all of it in one go it, it's like learning to juggle with eight balls straight away. You just throw them in the air and like, what? Like, I don't even know where to start comprehending what's happening. Uh, every every piece of equipment you add to your gear has impact, like uh, a new display uh, will cast light on your face. So you have to adjust the lights now because you have another, so like there's so many levers that kind of get moved. So you kind of want to do it incrementally, even if you have the budget. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Every Every bit that you add throws off everything else and then everything requires a little bit more calibration, a little bit more tweaking. Um, so yeah, you would just be lost and overwhelmed if you had to just kind of do it all, uh, all from scratch. Okay, this is future John cutting us off because apparently Simon and I really like talking about the gear that we've spent so much time curating. We're going to go through the rest of our ridiculous setups next week. But for now, thank you so much for listening. My name is John Myers. You can find me at Myers underscore IO on Twitter. And I'm Simon Swiss on Twitter. Uh, hope you liked the episode. And if you did, please let your friends know about it and leave us a review and subscribe and all the good things. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>